Today's episode is going to be a little bit short, however it's a very important case. And it's a case that is still ongoing. It's the story of a young woman who met the wrong person at the wrong time. And it's about a mom who's a former detective actively working to find her daughter's killer. I'm your host, Coy, and this is the story of Crystal Mitchell. Crystal Mitchell was born in Pasadena, California. When she was little, her family moved to Vancouver, Washington. She got married when she was 22 years old and she had two children. She was devoted to her kids and a very loving mom. In 2014, Crystal's marriage ended, and at 30 years old, she decided that what she and the kids needed, more than anything, was a fresh start. And this fresh start would be moving to Phoenix, Arizona. Once they settled in around Phoenix, Crystal started working as a property manager at an apartment complex. It wasn't long after that she met 32-year-old Raymond McLeod, who went by RJ. RJ was exactly what Crystal was looking for. He was nice, polite. He had a kid around the same age as her kids. He was previously a recruiter in the Marine Corps. Now he was working as an insurance salesman, and he was a bodybuilder. RJ was also new to the area, and he was looking for an apartment. He ended up getting an apartment in the same complex that Crystal lived in, and it didn't take long for the couple to start dating. But things weren't going that great for very long. But the first problems, they weren't with RJ. The problems were with Crystal's ex-husband. I couldn't find exactly what happened, but it was reported that he was causing some issues. RJ was also concerned for Crystal's safety at the time, so much so that he gave her one of his guns so that she could have her protection. This probably also only drove RJ and Crystal closer. Due to his military history and being a bodybuilder, she probably felt a lot safer with him with whatever issues were going on with her ex. In June of 2016, RJ had an idea. He had some friends in San Diego. They had an apartment with a spare bedroom. It would be the perfect little getaway for him and Crystal, and then they can kind of put things with the ex behind them and just focus on time with each other. On June 9th, 2016, RJ and Crystal went out to a nightclub. The exact altercation that happened either has not been released or is unknown, but something happened at the nightclub that led to RJ punching another guy there. On June 10th, around 1.17 in the afternoon, the San Diego Police Department received a 911 call. It was from RJ's friends. They arrived home, and they found Crystal in the bedroom, not breathing. Alright, my goal is to make this a pretty fast ad. A couple years ago, I wrote a book called One Moment. It's about a guy named Micah. 
He never planned to return to his hometown in Florida, but things don't always go as planned. While he's back home, he's dealing with the mental, physical, and emotional impact of being in a war. He then meets Sarah, and she is escaping an abusive marriage. The two have an undeniable bond, and a relationship that begins. When the abusive ex finds out about this new relationship, he gets involved in their lives. While this puts a strain on the relationship, it's only the beginning, because dark secrets start to come out. And the truth is, maybe you never really know anyone. There are a few ways that you can get this book if you're interested. The Amazon link is in the show notes if you just want the book. Or you can join my Patreon community for $5 a month. You'll get two extra true crime episodes, a copy of One Moment, and a few other perks. That link is also in the show notes or on my social media pages. Anyways, hopefully this ad was fast enough. And thank you for listening. Back to the episode. Police and paramedics arrived at the scene. From there, the paramedics declared that Crystal was dead. Crystal was described as being brutally beaten. There were signs of an intense struggle throughout the room, and later her cause of death was ruled to be by strangulation. It was determined that RJ was the last person to be seen with Crystal, and now he was nowhere to be seen. The other thing that was missing along with RJ was Crystal's car, the one that they arrived in San Diego with. Detectives started diving into exactly who was RJ. He was a bodybuilder. It was believed that he was taking steroids and that he had anger issues. He had been married three times. Two of his wives, it was reported that he was abusive to them. In one incident, RJ's roommate walked in on him, strangling one of his ex-wives. During that, he was arrested, and he was actually out on bond for that case whenever he met Crystal. When Crystal first met RJ, she talked to her mom about him. She said that a background check had been done on RJ, and nothing popped up so he had a clean record. But there was a little bit of a mix-up with that. Crystal was a property manager at an apartment complex. RJ was actually referred to her complex by another complex. They said that they did a background check on him and nothing came back, but they didn't actually do a background check. The other apartment complex did a credit check. If an actual background check would have been done, Crystal would have known about the abusive past, the arrest, and that he was out on bond for strangling his ex-wife. It was also learned that he was a heavy drinker, he used cocaine, and went to strip clubs a lot. Soon after Crystal was found, an arrest warrant was issued for RJ for Crystal's murder. Crystal's car was found abandoned at the San Diego airport. The next thing that was revealed was that RJ rented a car and he drove straight to the border of Mexico. All right, here's where things get interesting. RJ had an arrest warrant for murder and now unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Crystal's mother, Josephine Wenzel, was a former detective herself and she started her own investigation. Josephine first turned to making posters for RJ on social media 
a lot of people began reaching out to her with tips. Someone said that they had met him in a bar near the Mexico border, but he had said that his name was Matt. To further support this, the actual bar owner also contacted her, saying that someone matching RJ's description was in her bar around the time that he fled to Mexico. Investigators found out that the rental car was dumped in Mexico. From there, they believed that RJ went to Central America. From there, RJ made his way to Belize. Sightings of him have been reported in Belize, Honduras, and most recent in 2017 in Guatemala. Josephine herself took a trip to Central America to search for him. While Josephine has not located RJ, she does believe that he is hiding out on the coast of Central America, where it is easy for him to travel and move around by boat. Josephine launched a website called angelsofjustice.org to bring awareness to Crystal's case. She also started using the website to bring awareness to other unsolved cases. Raymond R.J. McLeod was added to the U.S. Marshal's 15 Most Wanted list. There's currently a $50,000 reward for him. Aliases that R.J. may use are Matt or Mateo. He's a white male, brown eyes, and he was born on October 3rd, 1983. He's about 5'11", 225 pounds, has multiple tattoos on his arms and chest. He's considered to be armed and dangerous if anyone believes that they know where he is or has seen him. You can report this to the U.S. Marshals website at usmarshals.gov tips. Before ending this episode, I want to talk about one thing. Crystal's murder all stemmed from RJ's domestic abuse. If you or anyone you know is experiencing abuse from someone, you can reach out to the hotline.org, the National Domestic Abuse Hotline. They have a phone number to talk on the phone, web chat, or text. But if it's something where you know that they were physically harmed, I would urge you to report that to your local law enforcement. Thehotline.org has a lot of resources to include creating a plan for you, getting you in touch with local resources, how to identify abuse. Abuse is not always physical. A lot of times it starts off with being about power and control. You can read and learn all about that at thehotline.org, which the link will be in the show notes. Now, this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode. Stick around after the theme music to hear about the new section that I'm doing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking around, and welcome to The Debrief. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to Tiffany Williams for joining Crime Nerds Patreon. I really appreciate it. Today's debrief story is going to sound a lot like a SpongeBob episode where the Krabby Patty recipe is top secret, but someone is always trying to steal it. Coca-Cola and Pepsi are the biggest soft drink rivals in the United States, if not the entire world. If you go to a restaurant, it's always about Coke or Pepsi products, and no matter what, they somehow always have the opposite of what you order. 
The Coca-Cola formula is so heavily guarded and top secret that it's been reported that the two people who know it are never allowed to fly together in case the plane crashes. Now, I'll admit, I haven't done any research into that at all. And I did learn that part on TikTok, which I don't think is a reputable source just yet. But what is confirmed and true is that in 2006, executives at Pepsi received a letter. The letter was from a person claiming to be a high-level employee at Coca-Cola. The letter offered Pepsi confidential information on Coca-Cola products and offered to sell the information for only $1.5 million. But instead of taking the secret information and paying this money, Pepsi reported this directly to Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola then contacted the FBI and an undercover investigation was underway to find the suspect. Now just for a second, imagine being an FBI agent and your boss comes up to you and say, hey, you're going undercover today. Someone is trying to sell the secret Coca-Cola recipe. Anyways, the agent did a good job. They posed as an executive from Pepsi and they negotiated a deal with the suspect who turned out to be Joya Williams. She was the director of global brands at Coca-Cola. She ended up getting arrested along with two other people who were co-defendants and promised by Williams to be paid $150,000 each for their help. Williams was found guilty of wire fraud and unlawfully stealing and selling trade secrets and sentenced to eight years in federal prison. Well, if you work at Coca-Cola, don't try and sell the secret formula to anyone. They don't take that lightly. And thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great day.